How many know you cannot praise God too much? That is illegal to praise God too much. It's not possible, amen? It is impossible to give him too much glory because we'll never be able to give him enough. Can you say amen? How many know we're going to spend eternity praising and worshiping him and it still won't be enough? That's why we need eternity. This life is not enough, amen? But I want to do my best to give him glory while I'm alive in this physical body before I get up there to heaven, amen? I don't want to do it just there. Get your Bibles open to the book of Joshua, chapter 4, if you would. And uh, I'm going to read another verse that you don't need to go to. But uh, go to Joshua, chapter 4. We're going to read some verses here this morning. And uh, it was a great lead-in this morning, uh, really out of Dylan's testimony and at the prayer time. And even the offering, how everything just tied together this morning for what I want to talk about. Because as I look at lives and people serving the Lord... There, there's something I've had in my spirit to preach about uh, the altar, the altar of the church, this, this, these, this area right here, amen? And this is a very important area in this church. It's the key area of what we do because it's where decisions are made and it's where we uh, reflect and, and uh, do things given unto God. But above all that, it's, it's, there's an altar that's not just physical but spiritual. And I want to show you some things in the... In the in the word this morning uh, about how we remember what God has done for us. What we remember. As Dwayne was giving his testimony and saying, I remember who I was. Amen. I see people time and time again uh, serving, serving God. And, I, and I've seen this over the years, over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. People get saved. People uh, begin to show some fruit in their lives. They begin to walk with the Lord. They begin to testify. They, God begins to give them a job that they didn't have or gives them a raise. God begins to set them free from an addiction. God begins to uh, give them a marriage or help them get married to the people, that, the couple they're with or, or just on and on. How many know God has done some awesome things for us? Amen. You could get up and give your testimony about what the Lord has done this morning for you. But what I see time and time again is if we don't make an altar to God and we don't make a time and a place of remembrance of what he's done for us and we don't keep that consistent and we don't keep the fire going. The reason we stand up like we just did is to get our spirits warmed up for the word of God. The reason we praise and worship is to get our spirits alive and awake to hear the word. Because if we come in, if we just came in this morning and didn't have that praise and worship and we came straight out of the car, you might have been in an argument, you might have been still tired, you might have been angry, you might have been whatever, going through something in a funk, and you get here and if we went right into the word, it would just be bouncing off of you because your spirit would not be ready to receive it. And it's important that we understand that when we we hear the word, as the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that our spirits are ready to absorb what God wants to speak to us. But how many times have people come in, and not just in this church, this is around the world, but I've seen it here, I've seen it in Costa Rica, and, and now close to 15 years of pastoring, I've seen people get their lives touched and transformed and changed by God. And seeing those testimonies and seeing those miracles, seeing God do such great and amazing things for people's lives. And how many get, how many follow me? And I mean, you hear them say it and you hear them brag on God and, and, and all these things. And there's sometimes it's short lived and lasts a few months. 
Sometimes it lasts a few years. But we have to remember, if we don't finish this race, it's no good to be in it. Don't ever forget we've got to be finishers this morning. Don't ever get tired of me preaching you a message like that that reminds you that you need to finish. Because what good does it do if we don't finish this race we're in today? Amen. What good does it do to have been saved and, and, and blessed a little bit and gotten a job and gotten delivered from something if you don't finish the race? Dylan's talking about his great uncle finishing the race. Amen. If you, wanna, if you were to die, how much would you like to have people talk about you like that after your funeral? That you'd finish the race. Amen. And so there's got to be a time of remembrance in our spirits of when Jesus saved us. And then when we get to begin to get into the hard times of struggle, we don't forget what Jesus did for us. Okay, amen? I, there's, a, there's a song, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. That's a good thing to remember. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. That should be a song you should memorize. That should be some statements you put in your spirit and that you realize that when you're in a dark time, when you're in a time of lack, when you're in a time of struggle, when you're in a battle, you still sing the song, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Because, again, if I am saved this morning and my name is in the Lamb's book of life, I don't need anything else. Amen. That's sufficient for me. The rest is just a bonus. But I have seen time and time again over the years, people get saved, people get testimonies, people's marriages be transformed, lives be changed, and then all of a sudden, they just begin to fade off into the distance and you never hear from them again. Anybody know anybody like that? Or if you hear from them again, they're not testifying about what God did for them. They're not remembering what the Lord did for them. We have very, very short-term memories when it comes to the good things God does for us. Amen. Because the problem is, and I'm going to show you in the Bible in a second, the problem is we have a memory that is short term and it always, because of the flesh, is saying, what have you done for me lately? God, what have you done for me this week? And you can't live your life like that. You need to live your life saying, God, if you never did anything for me again in my life, you did something 2,000 years ago, you died on the cross for my sins, that's all I need, that's all I believe, and that's enough for me to go off of if you never do anything for me again. That's the kind of attitude you got to have if you're going to make it. Amen? And so let's read Deuteronomy, or sorry, Joshua 4. Sorry, get your, get your finger there for a second. But listen to this. Sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. Listen to this one verse I want to read before we get there. Deuteronomy 32, 7. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. It says these words. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. And ask your father, and he will show you, and your elders, and they will tell you. Listen, if you're here this morning and you are blessed enough to have as Dylan just said again at the altar, or at the, uh, at the, uh, after the offering, or you are, even have a, a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or somebody, don't have to be a lot of people, if you have anybody in your family that has served God, you are blessed this morning to have somebody have told you about what God did for them and lived a life. Amen? Now maybe you're here and you're the only one in your family that's saved. Well, guess what? you got some work to do to start getting some other people saved in your family so that you'll be that person people are talking about 25 years from now if Jesus hasn't come back. Amen? You can start the process. You can start the chain this morning. 
So if you're here and you're saying, man, I'm the only one saved, well, that, you, 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 there's hope for you. But maybe you're here and you're like me. You're blessed to have a, herit, inherit, a heritage and an inheritance of souls before you, like my grandparents who live for the Lord. I've got aunts and uncles. I've got cousins that are in the ministry, that are pastors, that are serving God, and they've, they've left stuff to us. My grandfather and my father are my two heroes of how they've lived for God all the years of their life. They've served God. They haven't strayed from the path. And so there's somebody I look at and I say, if they did it, I can do it. If they could finish the race, I can finish the race. It's important to have somebody in your life that you look to and not, not, not in a way that, that they're the only one you look to, because Jesus is the ultimate source. But if you look at somebody and admire their life and say, I see longevity in this person. I see, I see fruit in this person. I'm going to learn how to follow. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right. So we have a thing that we can say, Lord, I see fruit in this man or woman's life. I'm going to imitate them. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to ask them how they do, what they've, how they've raised their kids, how they've, how they've uh, you know, had kept a job, how they've done their finances. And, and you learn from other people, it says, and ask your father and they will show you your elders and they will tell you. So this morning, there's people around you in this place who've been in the business of God for a while that can help you. Amen. Amen? How many know it's important to be around some experience this morning? Now, let's look at a few verses here in Joshua chapter 4. Y'all got your reading glasses on? All right. We're going to read several verses here. Verse 1 of Joshua chapter 4. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Sorry, I just skipped over to 15. No one said anything. Okay, sorry, verse 4. Have you ever done that before? Wow, I just went one paragraph all the way to the other page. All right, sorry. Verse 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a what? sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying watch this what do these stones mean to you now stop there just for a second if you're taking notes write this as a title what do these stones mean to you or you can put a dash there and write this down too what does Jesus mean to you that would be New Testament okay but we're going off this Old Testament story here And listen, you've got to be able this morning, right now, if I were to walk up to you as a stranger and ask you, what does Jesus mean to you? You need to be able to say what Jesus means to you. And it needs to be an answer that's not in a a scripted piece of paper. Okay? 
Again, good lead-in this morning by the Holy Spirit as Wayne, Dwayne, Wayne, Randall, Frank, all these names. I still don't know what his name is. As he was leading in and testifying at work, he was sharing what God had done for him. You should be able to talk about what Jesus has done for you and have a testimony and say, this is what Jesus means to me. It is a sad thing this morning if somebody has to answer that question by saying, well, my man, you should see my dad. He served God for his whole man. My parents are Holy Ghost filled parents. They're amazing. If you're talking third person about Jesus, you've got a problem. Let me say that again. If you're talking third person about Jesus, if you're talking, if you have to tell somebody else's testimony to talk about Jesus, you need to come to the altar. There's got to be a place and a time that you personally remember in your life Jesus changed you and you are not the person you were before you met Jesus. If you say, that's me, I need that. Well, good. This morning, we'll have an altar call and you can have that moment. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's great to say, man, my parents serve God, my cousins serve God, my friends serve God, but what does Jesus mean to you? What does he mean to you? You. Somebody asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you have hope? Why do you go to church? Let me tell you something. Sad but true. Be a lot of answers today in the world that would be, well, it's because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, because my parents will go. Y'all following me? Right. Well, because it's Sunday. Well, because that's what we do in the United States. Well, because, and if you're giving answers like that, and people do, something's wrong. Right. There's something wrong. That's not a right answer. What do these stones mean to you? And so God is asking this question. He's, he's, bring, he's just brought them. This is what's crazy. He's just brought them out of his, their families, out of slavery, out of Egypt. They're about to cross the Jordan River. And he's, he's basically saying, look, a whole lot of good stuff has happened. Watch this. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget what God has done for you. Let me tell you what one of the saddest hardest things as a pastor is, and this is for you too, but as a pastor, is to see people that I've seen God bless, that I've seen God change, that I've seen God save, just walk away from God like they never met him before. Just leave them and just go back to their vomit, go back to their old ways, and just move on with life like they never ran into the Lord. They don't know stones don't mean anything to them. Amen. It's a sad thing to see that. Anybody say amen to that? How many have seen someone like that? You've seen someone know the Lord, and, and, and you've seen fruit in their lives. You've seen them testify. You've seen them saying, the Lord did this for me. The Lord did that for me. Well, what did the Lord stop doing things for you, or were you serving God because he was doing things for you? That's the point. That's the problem. Many times we get to a place where, again, not on purpose, but in our spirit or our flesh, I should say, we're saying, God, you know, it's been a while since I've seen you do a great miracle. You know, it's been about six months since I've really, really felt the goosebumps when I've praised you, Lord. You know, I haven't really seen a raise at work for a while. Come on, y'all, don't shout me down. We start looking at God for the things he gives us instead of the gift he is. Let that simmer for a second. Don't look to God for what he can give you. Look to God for who he is and what he's already given us, which is eternal life. Again, that should be enough. Let's read on. 
First, before we read on, tell the person next to you, wake up. I know it's foggy outside, but the sun's going to shine again. Amen. That this may be a sign. What do these stones mean to you? Verse 7. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And watch this. These stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel for a few days. Is that what it says? These stones shall be, what verse are we in? A memorial, verse 7, for the children of Israel while God is blessing you. While everything is going right. Until you find something better. What does it say? Forever. Forever. And the children of Israel did so. Did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Now before we move on, do you realize what you're reading? They are picking up these stones from a river that does not have any water in it. That before they got there, there was water. There was, a, there was a, 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 a issue between them and the promised land, between them and God. There was water flowing that they could not cross. If this would have been a river, they could cross. And it wasn't high enough or strong enough to cross on their own legs without God's help. Then they wouldn't have needed it to stop. Amen. But the river was now dried up and it was being held on both sides or the side that it flows from. And now it's dry and they go in there and they grab stones And they're living a miracle. They're living a testimony. God is doing something amazing. Again, it is amazing to me to see, you know, I could almost be jealous of people I've seen over the years get so touched, so blessed, so delivered, have such a testimony, and just forget the stones. Just like that. Y'all following me? Now, y'all just that deep in thought or what? Some of y'all are just somewhere else, trying to bring you here. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, I could be jealous. Man, I wish I had that testimony. Man, I wish I got a promotion. Man, I wish I had that. I've seen so many miracles, so many things. And I'm not saying I get jealous when they're saying it. I get mad and jealous after the fact when I say, what a waste. You gave all that stuff to them, God, by grace, and they ain't even thankful for it. And not even serving you. What a great God we serve. What a merciful God we serve that he gives it on credit. Amen. Come on, y'all ain't following me this morning. He gives these blessings to us on credit. He, 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 he sees someone come down to the altar and say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And he says, man, I, I, I'm going to bless them. I'm, and even though he knows, he knows they're going to turn from him down the road. Not because he makes them turn, because they choose to turn. Right. He knows he's going to give them a rock. He's going to give them a memorial. He's going to give them a stone. He's going to give them a life change, knowing down the road they're going to drop that stone like it meant nothing. Yet he's going to give it to them like it meant everything. What a God. What a God. Man. And then you get jealous later. You say, man, God, how can you? I'm serving you. I'm doing that. I'm I'm staying with you. Why don't you bless me like that? I'm not saying that I'm like that. I'm just saying you get like that. Right? You can forget real quick. And you, you can say, man. 
What in the world? Why are they so blessed if they didn't serve you? I'm here, Lord. I know some of you feel like that sometimes. Lord, I'm still here. Whole bunches have left and gone. I'm still here. I got any honest people in here this morning? I know I'm talking to some real people here. So then, verse 9, Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. In the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and there they are to this day. So the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan till everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Jesus, sorry, Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Verse 11. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, the tribe of Manasseh, crossed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them, about 40,000 prepared for war, <clears throat> crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord, verse 15, commanded, Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. And Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. It came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And watch this, those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. Or in our terms today, Jesus changed my life and gave me eternal life when I was dead in my sins and on my way to hell. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus did. That's what God did. You, I'll never forget what Jesus has done for me. For the Lord your God, verse 23, has dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before until we had all crossed over listen this is an Old Testament story I'm reading here but this is your testimony today how many of am I making it elementary enough to understand that God did this amazing miracle for them <clears throat> here's the problem a lot of times we say God what have you done for me he saved you he saved you what else do you need I think sometimes as believers, we're looking for something else. No, Jesus, you are all I need. Jesus, you are the air I breathe. Jesus, you are my answer. Jesus, you are my hope. Jesus, you are everything I need. If I'm looking for anything else but Jesus, I'm lost. There's a problem. Amen. 
That, that's something you've got to get in your spirit. I'm telling you, as your leader, as your pastor, I'm pouring out my spirit and my heart to you. I don't want to see another person walk out of the will of God. I don't want to see another person walk away from the blessings of God. I don't want to see another person posting something on Facebook that has nothing to do with the Lord when one day they were walking with Jesus and they were serving him. Amen. I don't want them to forget what the stones mean to them. I don't want you to forget this morning. I want you to remember what God has done for you. Amen. Watch this, verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. Thank you, I got one right there. Appreciate it. May know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. Look at the person next to you and say, God is mighty this morning. You believe that? Amen. Amen. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's all-powerful this morning. He's all I need. Proverbs 10, 7 says, The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. There's a verse for you. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Amen. Act like men of God, of women of God, and be strong. Deuteronomy 8.11 says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. You know, if you begin to read in the Bible, fall all throughout Old and New Testament, you're going to see warning after warning after warning after warning after warning of God saying, hey, don't forget me. Hey, don't walk away from me. Hey, I love you, but you got to stay in the path. You got to stay in the road. You got to stay in the walk over and over again, over and over again. And guess what? I can't make my wife serve God. I can't make my daughter serve God. I can't make you serve God. I can only make me serve God. This is a personal, that's why we always, when you hear it, you think, you get a grip of what it means. Personal means, this is me and God. I got to get myself to heaven. I got to make sure I'm walking with the Lord. I got to make sure I'm right with God. And this is a thing that I cannot, I can't, I won't be there the day destiny stands before God. I won't be there standing with Kristen when she stands before God. I won't be there with Carla when she stands before God. I won't be there with you when you stand before God. You will stand by, before God by yourself and for yourself and you have got to be able to say Lord here is my stone I remember what you did for me I have guarded this and held it in my hands and I'm not going to let it go whether it's good times or bad times some people leave the Lord for good things they don't always go back God blesses them so much they just forget who blessed them seen that a lot of times too oh I just want to thank God because he gave me this new job and he gave me this promotion. I've joked about that before. And he gave me this new boat. I just want to thank God. Amen? Y'all heard me say that before. I just want to thank God for that boat, Lord. And then they're out on Sundays on Lake Louisville instead of being in church. Right? They quickly forget who got them that boat. Amen? There's nothing wrong with getting on a boat, but do it on a day that's God, not God's house. Not God's day. Amen? Y'all follow what I'm saying? Amen? He blessed you so much, you forget who blessed you. Give you that job that pays all those bills and you forget who blessed you. Forget who gave you that job. Seeing people be real faithful to God, real faithful to God, and, and, and just sold out to God till they get what they want. I knew that was going to hit somewhere. And then, all of a sudden, the things they did, see, the things they did to get them to that position 
why would you stop doing that? If I'm doing A, B, C, D, obedience to God and walking and all the things we know we're supposed to do, and then God finally gives me what I'm asking for, why would I stop doing that that got me here? Right? And this is what he's trying to say in the word. He's trying to say, look, this, there's, a, there's a way I work. And if you'll stay in the way I work, I'll do great and mighty things through you. But I need you to remember. I need you to remember what I did for you. I need you to have a long-term memory. Amen. And not forget. That's why these stones mean something, okay? Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Listen to this. How many have ever heard, and I might have given this example before, but it's a good one. How many know sometimes when they're good, you've got to use them again? How many have never heard of the Taj Mahal in India? All right? That building's amazing, okay? It's an amazing building. We know that besides the fact that it's, if you've ever seen pictures, it's built in an area that's really weird because it's super poor everywhere around it. But the Taj Mahal is the Taj Mahal. Everybody knows it's just an amazing, if you don't know what Taj Mahal is, it's an amazing building, okay? Write this down in your notes if you're taking notes and make it with big letters and underline something for me. If you don't get anything else out of this message, just write this down. We can never, we can never forget what the gospel is really about. Okay? We can never forget what the gospel is really about. Life and things and situations will take us off in a million different directions. And as that begins to happen, I have to come back to what the gospel is really about. Okay? And what, what the gospel is really about is simple. The, the gospel is about me getting saved, giving my life to the Lord. And then the gospel is about me telling somebody else about what Jesus did for me. Okay? We, you've got to understand that. How many know that's simple? And of course, inside the gospel, we know this morning, of course, that happens because of Jesus. That's, we're past that. That's, that's not what we're talking about. So the gospel, Jesus died for me that I would tell somebody else about him and that the whole world would know Jesus. Okay? And obviously, as, as the church worldwide, we're failing on that. Okay? And, and, and people don't want to hear it, but we're still going to do our job. But we can never forget what the gospel is really about, which is me and other people. Y'all follow me on that? We can, like I said, we can get tied up in a million different things, but i got to come back to that. Here's a great example. Here we are in December. We're here in December. This is a time that a lot of people love. I love this time of the year. Christmas lights. There's lots of parties. There's work parties. There's church parties. There's this party. There's ornament parties. There's men's parties, women's parties, all kinds of parties, all kinds of fun things. Nothing wrong with it. And you get, get, getting gifts and doing all these things. You get, all that's fine, but you get caught up in that and forget why we're doing all these things. Then we're not doing anything. Okay. And so that's just a December example of life. And we get so caught up doing things, we forget, you know, churches can get so caught up doing things, they forget why we're a church. Which is what? To preach the gospel. To make sure I stay saved. To make sure others know Jesus. Well, guess what? The Taj Mahal, let me read something about this, was obviously one of the most beautiful and costly tombs ever built. But let me tell you something crazy about this Taj Mahal. In 1629, when the favorite wife, he had more than one, of Indian ruler Shah Jahan died, he ordered that a magnificent tomb be built as a memorial for her. That's why the Taj Mahal was built. Okay? The Shah placed his wife's casket in the middle of a parcel of land. 
And construction of the temple literally began around this, this casket. One day, while he was surveying the site, how many know it takes time to build stuff? He reportedly stumbled, stumbled over a wooden box and he had some throwers, some work, sorry, workers throw it out. It was months before he realized the box he had thrown out was his wife's casket. Think about that. Don't we do that? Come on. It's okay to just stop there for a second. That got me. He, he's building this building. You can make that the church. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of this place. And it's supposed to be of any church. But churches can get so busy doing other things. Programs and things and things and programs. Get so busy doing things, we forget who this church belongs to. Why we come. Amen. We come this morning to worship Jesus. It's the reason the doors are open. Everything else is great. Nothing wrong with all the fun things we do. But why are we here? Jesus is the reason. Got so busy, he kicked out the original purpose for the memorial because of the details of the construction. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. We've heard that verse before. But that's what God wants us to put into practice. Amen? One more verse for you. Revelations 14, 12. This, this says, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Amen? This is the call for endurance. God, God, God has said this through his word over and over again. Over and over again. You, you need to have in your life this morning a, a, a stone of remembrance. Maybe you've got more than one. Probably do. Probably more than one time. Amen. I, I honestly could tell you that, that I, 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 I've got some that are greater than others. But I, I, I would have had to have wrote a book to remember all the things that God has done for me. I've said before, and I know there's a whole lot of you guilty of this here, here this morning. If I ever went back to the old way, old me. I'd have no excuse. I'd be condemned. I'd have all the evidence against me. And I'd have no excuse. Because God has done so much for me. I know there's some guilty people in here along with me. That God has done so much for you. I don't believe there's a person in here that would honestly say, man, God ain't, God ain't done enough for me. He hasn't convinced me yet. Amen? He's done more. More than enough. One more story this morning as I close. In 1885, there was three Christian boys. This is going on all around the world today, but this is 1885. Here we are in 2014, hundreds of years later, and we're seeing this happen. How many have heard of all the martyrs, all the things going on around the world, all the people dying for their faith? Well, back in 1885 in Uganda, three Christian boys died for their faith, shed their blood for Christ. The king had ordered the arrest of these three uh, boys in effort to stamp out Christianity. Now think about that for a second. Maybe the things you're going through right now in your life are because the devil wants to stamp you out. Maybe he wants to stamp out your testimony. Maybe he wants to stamp out your belief. Remember that. When you're being attacked, and I'm saying that from the pulpit and from my life this morning, when you're being attacked, remember, the devil's trying to stamp out something God's doing in your life. Amen? 
Before I continue this story, I remind you this morning that I've said this a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand and one. I have to fight monthly. Monthly I have to fight to stay in the call of God. Not to, not, not to stay saved. Don't get, don't get that wrong. I'm not out on the weekends doing something ungodly. I'm talking about the call of God to lead his church. Monthly I got to pick up that towel and put it back down so I don't throw it on the ground. Monthly. I'm just being real with you this morning. Is it okay to be real? I could, I could stand up here and act like, like I got it all together, like this is easy. But all the time, once a month, twice a month, sometimes every day in a month, I just say, forget it. Amen. Me and my wife could just say, let's just be normal people and just go to church like everybody else. There's a battle there. There's a fight there. We say, no, I'm not going to let the devil stamp me out. I'm not going to let the devil stop what God is doing in my life. I'm not going to do it. I have too many stones of remembrance and God hasn't called me or you, believe it or not, to just be a average Christian. He has called us to do something great. He has called us to be overcomers. He has called us to touch lives. Amen. And so we have to daily and there's nothing wrong with being in that position. And being real enough to say, Lord, I'm fighting through this. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. That's one of the reasons we do outreach. Because when you become inward, that's when you're dead. Amen. And listen, when you, when you stop going out, when you stop reaching out of yourself and telling people what Jesus has done for you, you're in trouble. Big trouble. You got to tell Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Amen. So as they're trying to step, stamp out this Christianity by killing these three boys, the eldest was 15. The youngest was 11. God, give us some 11 and 15 year old boys who serve the Lord. Amen. Not because their parents asked them to, but because they know who Jesus is. They held fast to their faith and staked their lives on it, though people were weeping and their parents were pleading with them. Can you imagine your children going to die for Jesus? You're not really wanting them to go yet. And they're saying, Mom and Dad, let me go. This is for Jesus. At the place of execution, they sent a message to the king. Tell his majesty that he has put our bodies in the fire, but we won't be in the fire long. Soon we shall be with Jesus, which is much better. Sounds like a modern day Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But ask him to repent and change his mind or he will land in a place of eternal fire and desolation. They sang a song which is now well loved in Uganda as the martyr song. One verse says, oh, that I had wings like the angels. I would fly away and be with Jesus. Little Yusufu said, the 11 year old, please don't cut off my arms. I will not struggle in the fire that takes me to Jesus. Forty adults came to Jesus the day the boys died. This was a new kind of life which fire and torture could not control. We have a memorial near Kampala where these youngsters are remembered as the first Christian martyrs of Uganda. In 1887, the end of the first decade of the church, hundreds had died. There, there were martyrs out of every village that had believers. They were, only, they were only beginners. They had little theology. Some could barely read but they had fallen in love with Jesus Christ. Life had taken on a completely new meaning. The value of living and living eternally had been discovered. 
They were not hugging their lives, but ready to give them for Jesus. During these dangerous days, there was an immediate and steady increase in the number of those embracing Christ. Amen. As the musicians come this morning, remember that as you're going through your struggle this morning, as you're going through your walk this morning, as you're being attacked in your walk with God, know that because of that attack, God is doing something around you. Please don't ever forget that. I have to remind myself that this morning. I have to remind myself that when there's a battle going on in the spiritual, it's because God or the devil knows something good's about to happen. That it means somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's life's going to get changed. Somebody's going to make a decision to stop being a pew warmer in the church and start being an overcomer for God. Someone's going to stop being just an average Joe Christian and be some, somebody that would give their life for the gospel. Amen. Somebody's going to go from just be, well, saying, well, I like our church because of this to saying I go to church because Jesus is the Lord of my life. There's got to be a change in there somewhere. And I ask you this morning, what do the stones of that memorial mean to you? What do they mean to you? Not me, not your friend, not your brother, not your parents, you. Ask yourself, what does Jesus mean to me? Amen, I can't answer that for you, you can't answer that for me. What does Jesus mean to you? Don't ever forget that Psalm says, precious in the sight of the Lord is, is the death of his holy saints. Now, we know that's the ultimate thing, that they would die for him as a martyr. But can we look a little smaller, a little more every day, and realize that precious might be the tribulations and the problems and the circumstances we're facing? That every time we just give God glory in the midst of those problems, it's precious in God's sight. That every time we feel like quitting, when we get on our knees and talk to God on that altar, he's He's looking down on us and he's saying, there's my kids. There's my son. There's my daughter. They're not quitting because there's a battle up there. Don't forget what happened with Job. The devil would go daily to, to the presence of God and say, hey, I'm here. And God would say, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered you and you put your name there? And, and the devil's saying, man, if you put that on them, they're going to quit. And listen, I talked about trophies a few weeks ago. Don't be a trophy for God. Don't be a trophy for the devil either. Because a bunch of trophies on the devil's shelf today of people who gave in, quit, and stopped fighting. And the devil went before God and said, I promise you, if you do this to them, they'll quit. And then they did. And God was just waiting. God was, God was defending us, saying, no, they won't do it. No, they won't. God, how many know God's always going to defend us? God always believes in us, even when we don't believe in ourselves. God's up there saying, no, nah, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna come out of this. And then that person doesn't. And the devil says, see, I told you so, God. And he puts them up on a shelf and says, they left, they left you. They lost, you weren't good enough for them. And listen, that's, the, that's true reality. But we have the choice this morning to say, no, I'm going to make God proud. I'm going to be someone that God can say, see, devil, I told you they wouldn't bust. I told you they wouldn't quit. I told you they wouldn't leave. I told you they wouldn't turn back. 1 Peter 3.15 says, last verse, write this down, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. To me, that means I've got a, I've got a constant memorial and remembrance 
and stone in my life. I carry it with me. Wouldn't it be sad this morning if, if the, the true this, this depiction of our life was that we have that stone and we have it at our house and when we come to church and while we're getting dressed, we grab that stone and we bring it with us. But when we get home, we put it back on the shelf and tomorrow at work, that stone stays there during the week. You don't carry it with you. I'm just following what I'm saying. That stone needs to be with you all the time. So you get to work or you get to school and someone says, hey man, I see something different about you. What is it? And you don't have that stone with you to say, hey, this is what Jesus means to me. Or maybe it hasn't even happened yet. You don't have that stone. This is what it says, 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. I know this morning I got an answer. Do you? Do you have an answer? Is it a solid answer? Do you believe your answer? That's a good question. Do you believe your answer? Because we're good as human beings at learning an answer. It's the old saying, don't speak Christianese. We can learn the right words to say, but do you mean it? What do these stones mean to you this morning? What does Jesus mean to you? What has he done for you? Not lately, but what does his death and his resurrection mean to you this morning? It makes the altar more meaningful. It makes that time we come and pray really, really important. And then we carry it out of the church to our house. We make the, the car an altar. We make the workplace an altar. You've got to get to a place where you know that you can go make an altar anywhere because that stone goes with you. Amen?